0: You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. USAT is incredible. So it's the governing body for the sport of triathlon. So we have a few different areas of focus in the organization. We oversee the Olympic and Paralympic pipelines. So the athletes competing at the highest level, we support and fund them. We also have national championships. So just like we're here at for the world championship for Ironman, we host national championships for every distance of triathlon that also compete on the world level under world triathlon, which is the international federation. And then we also oversee just the health and wellness of the sport in general. So supporting race directors, coaches, clubs, and the entire grassroots infrastructure of the sport. Everything we do is about growing, supporting, and sustaining the sport. And there's never been a more important time to focus on this, especially coming out of COVID where the entire industry was just flipped upside down. And, you know, Ironman's incredible. We absolutely love everything they're doing and they're so important for the sport. But think about all of these small local races. These are small entrepreneurs, and it was devastating to them. So whatever any of us can do to go out and support our local races is only going to help the entire
1: ecosystem. That was Victoria Brumfield. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative Hello, welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Victoria Brumfield, interim CEO of USA Triathlon. USA Triathlon is the national governing body for triathlon, as well as duathlon, aquathlon, aquabike, winter triathlon, off-road triathlon, and paratriathlon in the United States. Founded in 1982, USA Triathlon sanctions more than 4,300 events and connects with more than 400,000 members each year, making it the largest multi-sport organization in the world. In addition to its work at the grassroots level with athletes, coaches, and race directors, as well as the USA Triathlon Foundation, USA Triathlon provides leadership and support to elite athletes competing at international events, including World Triathlon World Championships, Pan American Games, and the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Before we dive in to my conversation with Victoria, shout out to our sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. It transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. Get 20% off today at slash Marnie on the Move or use our code Cheers Okay, back to Victoria. Victoria and I caught up live at the Marnie on the Move podcast pop up at Ironman. World Championships in St. George, Utah, back in May, when she was Chief of Staff and Business Development for USA Triathlon. Since then, she has been promoted, which is super exciting. So I gave her a buzz last week, so everyone is up to speed. Beyond her top leadership, her role at USAT, and impressive career in the world of endurance sports, Victoria is also an incredible endurance athlete and does it all road, gravel, MTB cycling, triathlon, running, and so much more. We met years ago in New York City when she just graduated from getting her MBA at NYU, was working in the world of endurance sports already, and was racing as an amateur cyclist. During our conversation, Victoria and I sync up about the role of USA Triathlon in the world of endurance sports the growth trajectory they are predicting for 2023, how USAT is creating opportunities for all kinds of athletes, newbies and veterans to dial into the sport of triathlon. And of course, we talk about all of the races Victoria has on her schedule and the training she does to stay fit for these events. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It is simple. Head over to the app, wherever you listen, click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, scroll through all of the episodes to the bottom, click on the five stars and tell us what you love about what you are listening to. Also, feel free to screenshot the episode and share what you are listening to on your social channels. We're on LinkedIn. We are on Instagram and TikTok. So feel free to tag us and tag our guests. Okay, on to my convo. Congratulations on your you, new Martin. position. Yeah, I'm really excited. And it's interim, so
0: just to be clear, I'm still. They're going through a global search process, of which I'll be a part of that. But I couldn't be more excited. And I'm, you know, it's it's always hard to say goodbye to an inspirational leader like Rocky. I know. I don't know. I mean, you spent a little bit of time with him. He's, He's incredible. Yeah. But I've also been his partner for the last four and a half years in rebuilding USA Triathlon and. You know, putting it on a on a better path. And so I'm just super excited to be at the helm and have the opportunity to make sure it continues.
1: And so what are some of the new initiatives that you're working on in your new position, even though it's interim?
0: Right now is all about making sure that we end the season really strong. So okay. There's nothing new right now. It's making sure we deliver our 2022 priorities, which are entirely focused on growing and restabilizing the sport. That's it. So making sure that everything we do, repositions coaches and race directors and clubs to, to better be set up for success going into 2023. I personally really believe that 2023 is going to be a big growth year. You know, like looking back at the sport, and you know this because you followed it, saw all endurance sports that were like, on this uphill growth, bottomed
1: out. and During I don't the pandemic, yeah.
0: Well, no way before, like in 2012 is when running started to really decline. The All the different, you know, the Tough Mudders of the world, like that all saw massive growth, including triathlon, all started to decline. And in 2018, we had our first growth year in, in you know, nearly a decade. And so that was really exciting. And then, of course, we hit the pandemic, which was catastrophic for, the world, but especially for participation based sport. And so for us, I, I really think the sport's gonna come back to a growth year next year. See it. All the trends are are pointing in that direction. So that's what we're focused on.
1: That's awesome. That's great. I'm really excited to see what happens in 2023. I feel like it's it's like the summer. I I hate to say this, but you know, the summer's over. I feel like we did our interview two weeks ago, but it was four months ago. And 2023 is around the corner.
0: (laughs) It's crazy that it's September.
1: How are Unbound Gravel and Leadville?
0: Since I talked to you last, I did Unbound Gravel, which is the um, 200 plus mile gravel race in Kansas, which is incredible. It was amazing. It was so hard. And this was actually my second time doing the 200. And the first time I did the 200, which was last year, it took me over 18 hours. So... It was by far mentally and physically the hardest thing I've ever done. Just the intensity of it, going through the night, like all the things that really talent, challenge and test you. Um, this year, I had a great year and I finished well before sunset. Um, I just had a really a really great experience. And so I was definitely on a high coming off of that event. And then I just did the Leadville 100 mountain bike. And that- You're amazing.
1: For- you are like absolutely- amazing well yeah i
0: didn't have as great of a a ride that time i've done it before and i i was slower this time but it's just that race is so hard the challenge of the elevation and it's it's wild i went up there and i pre rode the course and all the things that i just rode no problem on the pre-ride on race day i just i fell apart and i had to walk a bunch and it was, it was tough, but I finished and I got my belt buckle and it was a great event. So That's awesome. I'm ready to take a little break from cycling. I'm going to start doing some running to okay. remember how to stand up straight, but yeah, <laughs>
1: That's
0: yeah it was amazing. a good summer.
1: That's amazing. Well, thanks for hopping back on the podcast. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here
0: and Marnie, like, I just love what you do for the sport and you're always celebrating and amplifying really cool stories and messages. And I'm jealous. I'm not going to be with you in Kona
1: but I will definitely be following from afar. Okay, taking it back to the original convo in May. So now you were out riding this morning? I was, yeah. It's so beautiful
0: here. I went for a ride yesterday and today. What kind of mileage are you doing here? Well, yesterday was pretty epic. I did over 100 miles plus 10 miles where I got a ride, and I can tell you more about that. And then today I did about 30 miles.
1: Wait, so you rode about 100 miles yesterday?
0: I did. Where'd you go? Well, I rode 100 I hiked three and I hitchhiked ten. Are you on a gravel bike or are you on a TT <laughs> no, bike? <laughs> I was on I was on my road bike and I had this idea that I would ride 50 miles north of, it was actually more, it was about 60 miles north of St. George to Cedar City. It's a town north of here. I have a friend actually from New York City who lives there and he teaches at the university that's up there. So I Googled how to get there and it just said, go north. I figured there was a road and the road actually just dead ends and you have two options, three options. You can turn around, you can get on the freeway or you could take this really treacherous dirt trail. And I was like, how bad can the dirt trail be? I'm a gravel rider. I'm on my like S works road bike, like (laughs) deep dish carbon wheels. This was the worst decision I ever could have made. So I hiked my bike, destroyed my cycling shoes. I was out there for like three miles. I ran into some guy in a like four wheeler who showed me his gun. I mean,
1: okay. Yeah, Yeah. that was fun.
0: (laughs) And then I finally made it to the road. I got to Cedar city bought a jacket, by the way, it was cold there, rode back and had the same problem where the road ended. Couldn't figure out how to get back without going all the way back around to Cedar City. So I hitched a ride on a UPS truck. Oh my God. What was that like? It was great. I was delivered without any
1: damage. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. So you're super adventurous. You just like put some coordinates in your GPS and went out on a ride. I
0: probably should have put more coordinates in my GPS, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing I love about cycling and I've always loved about it is that it's a way for you to go out and adventure and experience where you live and experience new places in a way that you just can't in a car. I look at all these people who vacation and they sit on a beach or they, you know, walk around a park. And when you get on a bike, you actually adventure into the space that you're in, in a way that you never would otherwise.
1: And I love it. Like, how did you get into cycling? I mean, and gravel is like... Definitely a long way from where you started. Yeah, gravel's next level. I love it. I here I got into
0: cycling because when I first moved to New York, I started running actually. And I did every New York roadrunner event I could find. I just loved it. But I didn't know how to train. I did everything wrong. I overtrained. I like <laughs> I thought I was some elite athlete, but I was like, you know, a twelve minute miler who, if I looked in a mirror, I'd be like, Why is she walking? Even though I like felt like I was running. And I was always injured. So I found cycling And what I love about cycling is no matter what my running injury was, I could always ride. And so that turned into bike racing. And the amazing thing about bike racing, I'm like mediocre at everything. I'm like the world's most average athlete at everything that I do, but I love challenge. And the cool thing about cycling for me is it also helped me realize that I could also be competitive and so that was really fun for me.
1: So were you tra- Were you racing in Queens at the velodrome or?
0: No. Oh gosh, that's legit. No, I did. I have ridden on a velodrome, okay. um, but I mostly did road crit, time trial, stage races. Um, so all the fun stuff where you get to ride in a pack and throw elbows and it's cool. fun.
1: So now, what are some of the bike races that you were that you've done? Well.
0: In New York, I mean, the incredible thing about the cycling culture in the Northeast and and probably across the country, but my experience was in the Northeast is you could race every weekend from spring through fall if you also race cyclocross. So Central Park and Prospect Park in New York City had... I don't know, probably a dozen races each. So you could just roll out of bed at four o'clock in the morning. Cause like, what else are you going to do in New York at (laughs) 4am? Although I will say when you're riding to the park in the morning, I'd always play the game of like yesterday or today, like for that person, is it yesterday or today? And for the majority of them, it was yesterday, (laughs) but, but you could race every weekend. And then there's a lot of races just outside in the tri state area. Um, but when I moved to Colorado it's next level.
1: I mean, racing. this is like your dream. I mean, wh- where are you from, by the way, originally? Uh, all over. I grew up
0: in California, actually went to a couple of years of high school and undergrad in Utah, okay. which is where we are right now. And then I moved to New York right out of college and was there for almost 20 years. And now I'm back in Colorado. And so. then you
1: did your MBA at NYU, which is I how did. I met you. through did. Yeah. Missouri.
0: I got so good at spreadsheets. It was my jam.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. So I need to get an MBA to be good at spreadsheets. That's, that's the secret. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Once you can spell MBA, you also can do spreadsheets. It's like this amazing how they tie together
1: amazing and, and and you also like simultaneously to having this exciting cycling amateur cycling life you also have had an amazing career in the world of endurance sports take me back from NYU your job trajectory so right out of
0: college I worked for a small agency in New York and I worked on golf tournaments and tennis And one of the accounts that this company had was NYC 2012, which was New York's Olympic bid effort back when we were competing against London and Paris and other cities at the time. Right. We lost in case you didn't know what happened. in Okay. So, but at the time we were putting on all these national championships to prove our ability to host big events. And one of the events was the New York city triathlon. So that started to showcase New York's ability to put on a triathlon. And it was actually the elite national championship that year. And what's amazing when we put on these events, like the world championship of wrestling or fencing or weightlifting, right. like you and I can't go compete in those, nor would we want to, like, if you saw me in a wrestling onesie, you would say, find a new career,
1: but, <laughs> but Your it was kit looks like a wrestling onesie <laughs> That's true. Right that's true. This <laughs> is like a wrestling
0: onesie with sleeves <laughs> and pockets. Every wrestling onesie nice socks, should have pockets, <laughs> but, but it was so interesting because that normal people couldn't compete in those. But right. in triathlon, like you and I could show up and compete and it was so cool. So they kept it going. That's how the New York city triathlon started. So among all the events and experiences and concerts and things like that, that I worked on, there was always this thread of triathlon and then running events. And I also worked uh, with the New York road runners as a client, eventually went to go work for Mary Wittenberg when right. she <laughs> went to go start Virgin sport under um, the Virgin family business. And, and then from there I went Went to usa Triathlons, so i feel like i've come full circle in my triathlon life
1: yeah and so you've so you've been doing triathlons
0: all along i have i started doing triathlons in my early 20s and i just loved it again i'm not fast at anything but it was this incredible experience of challenging myself and being able to toe the line with really talented elite athletes and still feel like i was accomplishing something really challenging and exceptional for myself. And there's this also really cool progression of distance and speed and all these things that you can focus on over time. So I started with a sprint and 20 years later, I did my first full this past year
1: and I just love it. It's a lifelong sport. And so and you're still cycling? Like you're still doing all the gravel. Are you still doing any competitive like any of the races, the road races or anything? Oh my gosh. You know, when I moved to Colorado, I thought it was hot
0: stuff coming from my cycling background in New York. (laughs) And I did one bike race in Boulder and I was literally dropped at the line. I was like, what happened? Where did everybody go? It was just like different level of racing. So I downgraded my uh, cycling category and I started racing and I shouldn't say racing. I started participating in gravel. Yeah. Because just longer distance stuff. I figure, you know what? I've always been slow. I might as well go long. Right. So last year I did unbound gravel for the first time. Oh, I'm going to again. do it again. Yeah. I loved it. If you have nothing else to do for 18 hours, but ride your bike, you should do it. I in would Kansas. like to do that for 18 hours. Yeah.
1: I love riding. I love cycling. <laughs> I don't have a gravel bike. I've never done gravel, but my bike career, my cycling started out. Okay. Four. I was on a bike, but I started mountain biking yeah. when I was like eighteen and I loved it. So I really loved like, you know, cycling and, and doing all of that. And it's you know, I I just wanna get back out and do long distance. Yeah. So I did my first century with New York City Cycling Club. Yeah, I love the New York City Cycling Club. They're so fantastic. I did, I did a century with them past September. Did they make
0: you stop and eat an omelet halfway? I feel like that's a signature move.
1: But this is the thing I don't love about <laughs> cycling is stopping for lunch and yeah. stopping and eating and like... It's the only sport where you work out for like eight hours and still gain weight. Yeah, totally. I mean, but these people, they're like, you know, going for a ride and like and like they factor in like two hours of eating. It's like, who, like I should be training. I'm a triathlete, really, Yeah. By nature. So, you know, I, I don't understand this concept of, like, stopping. But it's part of the culture. And during the pandemic, I got, you know, there were no races. So I started cycling. Yeah. And got into, like, the stop at market, uh stop in, in Nyack, the stop, you know, past, like, Rockland Lake. Yep. And, you know, the stop at the orchards and all those things. And... I love it. I don't like stopping, but I do love yeah, that. Yeah, I cycling. used to ride with
0: this girl. We'd stop at the market and she would order like the tuna tartare. I was like, I can't. what about a cliff bar? Let's go.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm the one who, I do get the tuna sushi if I'm forced to sit down and eat. <laughs> but that's usually on the way back because yeah. how are you going to digest that? But one thing I do like about cycling that's very different than running, right, is that you can eat a lot of food on the bike. You, it's can, true. And you need to while you're moving.
0: I, I will say, Marnie, that was one of the things that I... I did wrong the most often early on and not just in cycling, but probably mostly in cycling is I never fueled. And I think there's this misconception that you shouldn't be fueling because we all think like, Oh, we're doing this to, you know, burn calories. But the reality is you have to fuel your performance. And I think once I learned to start fueling properly, I was able to go harder longer.
1: That is the trick to it, and also like when you are going longer, it's a totally different sport. So yeah. I definitely want to do more centuries and more gravel rides. So oh, gravel is amazing. Here's what I love about gravel: is that you probably remember this from mountain
0: biking. It it engages your mind in a way that road yeah. cycling doesn't. You've got to
1: think every second,
0: right? You have to be present. You have to be aware and you get that with gravel, but it's not as technical and the road, the bikes are similar to road bikes, but a little bit more comfortable. And you just have the freedom to go in so many more places. If I'd had a gravel bike on my ride yesterday, I probably wouldn't have gotten in a FedEx truck, right? Like you probably could have gotten back. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so, so, and um, what about your ride today? What'd you do today?
0: Today, I just rode out on the snow Canyon loop and then a little bit beyond. It was just so fun being out there. I love seeing the athletes out pre-writing the course. Yeah. Everybody just looks so focused and legit and beautiful equipment. And it's so inspiring for me to see these athletes here because these are the the peak of the peak, but they're also amateurs. They're people like you and me with a job that have a lot of obligations in their lives, but they've pushed themselves to the point of performance that they've been able to qualify for an event like this. And I just love the energy. So I just followed them around.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's also a lot of people that it's like their first time doing a a full Ironman that are at this race. They were (laughs) able to sign up for the race. I think they entered, like they didn't, get a qualification for world oh, wow. championships. They're just amateur athletes, age groupers. Oh, I should feel even here. worse about myself then because they're for like, the first no way time, you don't deserve they, to be here. I think that because this race was supposed to be just a regular race, oh, it wasn't okay. the world championships. Wow. And then they made it the world championships and there were a couple of people that signed up.
0: Oh man, you know what? That's, that's motivator to always sign up early and often for things because yeah. you never know when it's going to turn into a world championship. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, so how do you stay fit? Like how do you stay in shape for cycling and all the training that you do?
0: Yeah, it's, I'm one of those people that has to get up really early to fit it all in, which it's always hard balancing sleep, but yeah. I typically get up between four and four thirty every day and I work out depending on the day. Um, somewhere between 90 minutes to two hours in the morning. And then I start my work day.
1: Are you cycling every day? Are you running every day? It
0: depends. I still, even though right now I'm focused on training for Unbound Gravel, which is a month away, it's 206 miles. It's a really big epic ride. So I've mostly been cycling, but I still run and swim twice a week.
1: Okay. So are, do you have any triathlons lined up that you're doing? It's so
0: funny. Last weekend was the multi-sport national championship right. and all my colleagues are there working, but I brought my bike and I raced four races and it was so fun. I did an Olympic distance, a sprint. Draft legal, which it was theoretically draft legal because I was so slow out of the swim, I had nobody to draft off of. It was (laughs) pretty sad. That's Uh, like the story of my life. (laughs) Yeah. I did a super sprint, which was the most fun I think I've ever had doing a triathlon. The whole race took me 23 minutes. It was hilarious. It's a 250 meter swim, 5K bike, half mile run. It was so fast, so fun. And then I did uh, a draft legal duathlon. So are you, what bike do you have? Are you on a TT bike or are you on a road bike? So in draft legal, you always ride a road bike. And so I just took my road bike and I did that, used that bike for everything. And Mm. I definitely felt slow on the Olympic where people were on TT bikes, but the reality is I'm just out there for fun. Yeah, what kind of road bike do you have? Right now I have a specialized S-Works, but it's, and it's beautiful but I want to upgrade because it doesn't have the new electronic, um, shifting and disc brakes. So I'm oogling bikes in the expo all day long.
1: Oh my God. Well, I rode the Ventum today. You did. So I have a Ventum gravel bike and I love it. I heard that's the best of all the Ventums. Did you ride the NS one? Yes. I loved it. I like, I'm like,
0: I want this bike. They're like, take it home. I'm like, I can't afford it. (laughs) You know, a lot of our Olympic athletes are actually riding the Ventum and they, they think it's fabulous. Yeah.
1: I didn't, I didn't try their TT bike, but I mean, well, the the road uh, bike. Bike. So yeah.
0: Olympic triathlon is actually a draft legal sport. So they're all on road bikes. They don't ride TT bikes. I didn't even know that. Yeah. it's draft
1: legal in the yep. Olympic distance. I don't even do Olympic distance. It's, so I've well and no, typically, yeah. like
0: if you were to go participate in an Olympic distance triathlon in yeah. your community, it won't be draft legal. So I'll be drafting
1: everyone at Mighty Hamptons this
0: summer. <laughs> no, I only draft when no one's looking. Yeah, but in in the Olympics, <laughs> you can actually draft while they're yeah. looking.
1: Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. I actually experienced drafting for the first time because as a triathlete, like yeah. it's permanently ingrained in you that you have to see six bikes behind everyone, mm-hmm. which, which is, is, is easy also, to do when you yeah. get
0: dropped, is yeah. what I found.
1: Yeah, but. totally. But it's, it's also like, you Know really sucky because you know you're like so far behind everyone, and then all, when you get dropped, you're like lost, and you're the last one on the race course. The reverse yeah, attack, yeah. I'm gonna move. like implement the reverse attack, <laughs> but but no. But I actually went out with do you know Anne Marie Miller? You definitely know, oh, of Anne course, Marie. I know Anne Marie Miller. So she was very kind to me because she's a professional, she's incredible, and she's like still competing. And she just did a race and placed last weekend. It was like a climb race up in New Jersey. I yeah. can't remember the one. Or maybe it was like upstate New York. But basically, she has been taking me out on rides and getting me into mm-hmm. like pacing. And so I'm not part of the New York City Cycling Club, but I did that race. So I got the opportunity. You were there for to, the
0: tuna tartar, Yeah.
1: But, you know, so it was like one of those things. Where I went out with her and I drafted on her wheel for like miles up 9W. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, you know, it was Awesome. Speaking of women and cycling and getting out on 9W, how psyched are you for the women's Tour de France? Oh, I just, I am so excited to watch
0: the footage. I've loved all the coverage that you're we've you're not going to go. I've been to the Tour de France before. I'm, I'm not going. It's not part of what I do day to day with my job now, but I would love to. I've been to the Grand Depart. I've been to the tour in the, in the big climbs, um, part of the tour. And I just, I love cycling and I love women's cycling. In fact, the team that I rode with in New York City, Radical Media Racing, amateur women's cycling team, Evelyn Stevens, who was the first American woman to ever win in flesh flown. She won in 2013, I think. She started on that team. And I just love women's cycling, but it's so hard to create fans of women's cycling because they've never gotten the media coverage that they deserve. And so this season has been so fun watching the women's Perry Roubaix was, that was amazing. It was incredible. And what you see is actually the energy and excitement of the race, the tactics, the storylines, the athletes, they are just as compelling, if not more so than the men's race, but they've just never had a chance to show or tell their stories. Yeah. And it has been so fun watching it. I've been watching women's cycling all season and I cannot wait for the women to get equal coverage going into the tour.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that Zwift has done so much and I like shout out to Zwift for putting their money behind this race and for being the sponsors and making it happen because it wouldn't happen without them because there was no money in women's cycling because nobody wanted to. It's so true. Watch and it, and I want to watch it. Like I and and they're they're like you know Zwift, Shram. They're all sort of doing YouTube channels and mm-hmm. creating content and the stories around these women. And you know it's going to take a while though, but it, it's going to take time. And I think what there there haven't been enough
0: stories told about what's been done so far. Yeah, there has been so much time and energy and focus on. Getting to this point, and Swift is incredible. Yeah, it, it's amazing what they're doing, and there are so many more stories like that. Um, one example is Trek. I don't know if you've heard this, but they've been making all of their female athletes whole in prize money, so matching the men's compensation, and that's something they've been doing privately. And I think that it's not just about prize money; it's also a living wage and a salary. You right. look at what the women's cyclists are making versus the men's, and there's no comparison. And I think a lot of companies are working hard to professionalize and support women's cycling at a level that's actually gonna help the sport grow.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And there's so, there's so many amazing athletes that are out there. A lot of people talk about the, the prize purse though, because you know, it is the job of the pros to compete. And even with triathlon, it's like, well, we are equal. Like this is the thing that most people don't know triathlon
0: from the very beginning, the very first time a woman ever competed in the sport, the exact same course, the exact same distance, equitable prize money. There has never once been a decision made to make it different between men and women. So you look at other sports, tennis, soccer, like whatever it is, there is inequity in the time and intensity of the sport or the rules. And everything is the same for men and women in the sport of triathlon. And you even look at it in the Olympics, women were making the same prize money in the sport of triathlon is men before women could even run a marathon. So think about it that way. It's incredible how much triathlon has been equitable from the start.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it, that's amazing. It's, it's like such an honor to be part of such a forward thinking, pioneering sport and community. Yeah. If I were ever fast enough to win prize money, it would be amazing. I know. And this year they <laughs> have prize money. <laughs> I need mean, I know. I like I would love to win prize money. I'd love to like quit my day job and just become a professional athlete <laughs> you know, and ride my bike all the time. It's the dream. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they, they actually ex- um, extended the field of payment, so it's fifteen deep for prize wow. money. That's I mean, incredible. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Good for them. I mean, you know, it's not the NFL yet, but you know, yeah. hopefully, it will be someday. So yeah, so talk to me a little bit about you know off of cycling for a minute about your role at USAT and what you're doing with with this awesome organization.
0: Yeah, USAT is incredible. So it's the governing body for the sport of triathlon. So we have a few different areas of focus in the organization. We oversee the Olympic and Paralympic pipeline. So the athletes competing at the highest level, um, we support and fund them. We also have national championships. So just like we're here at the national championship for or the world championship, rather for Ironman, we host national championships for every distance of triathlon that also compete on the world level under world triathlon, which is the international federation. And then we also oversee just the health and wellness of the sport in general. So supporting race directors, coaches, clubs, and the entire grassroots infrastructure of the sport. Everything we do is about growing, supporting, and sustaining the sport. And there's never been a more important time to focus on this, especially coming out of COVID where the entire industry was just flipped upside down. And you know, Ironman's incredible. We absolutely love everything they're doing and they're so important for the sport. But think about all of these small local races. These are small entrepreneurs and it was devastating to them. So whatever any of us can do to go out and support our local races is only going to help the entire ecosystem.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of races have been canceled because of that, because, you know, they lost their funding and- It's, it's so hard and it's not just the events, it's the coaches, it's the clubs, it's getting that community back. Yeah. I think that's amazing what you do as an organization. And, and also, you know, you're trying to get younger people into the sport and I'm always thinking of like, you know, I'm bouncing back and forth between triathlon and cycling, but also like trying to get women into cycling. Yeah. You know, are you, I know you're not doing that with USAT, but are there organizations that you've worked with in the past that are trying to do that to get more women into cycling?
0: Well, and actually we do focus on that at USA Triathlon. I mean, we've been really focused on getting more women into the sport for yeah. years. It's getting better, especially at the shorter distances, but we're still predominantly male. I think we're somewhere, uh, don't quote me, but I think we're about 60-40 um, male, female. And you look at running, running has transitioned almost 60% female. So, yeah. so and, and those numbers change a little bit, I think, as you get into the longer distances. But what we're focused on is how do we create accessibility for women to get into the sport? And I think part of that, and again, it's hard because we're here at the World Championships of Ironman. And I think that part of the perception of the sport. Is that you have to be this incredible specimen of a human being? Right. Like people think it's impossible, right? From the outside, you you have these ten thousand dollar bikes. You've got these beautiful fit bodies and these incredibly, you know, high performance suits and helmets and all this equipment and all the time that it takes. But the reality is, I just did a super sprint triathlon in twenty four minutes and it was so fun. Right. And you can do a triathlon in less than an hour and you can have a great time doing it. You don't have to have some crazy schedule training schedule. You can do a spin class
1: once a week, swim. Right. You can train on a Peloton. You can absolutely train on a Peloton. I mean, we all, we, I mean, I have a treadmill, but you know, we've been on the bike before and sometimes yeah. when I'm, you know, in the mood for some awesome music, I'll put on Christine Dercoli's class. I love her. Yeah. And like, what? and she's a pro, she was a, she is a pro cyclist. She,
0: yeah, she's been a, I think she's has a world, a master's world champion title. Yeah. She's incredible on the track. Yeah. And I, I also teach a spin class and I'm always talking to the class about, when do
1: you teach a spin class? I, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I know it just added to 515 in the morning. It's, oh my God. It's a pretty early class, but I'm always talking to them about how if you can come to a spin class once a week and you can go for a jog or go for a walk a couple times a week and you can get in the pool and just breaststroke for 15 minutes, you can do a triathlon. And I think that that's where we have to help people understand the accessibility of the sport. Everybody knows that they can go out and walk a 5k. And I don't think they realize that you can do that version of a 5k in a triathlon.
1: Right. Like you don't have to ride 20 miles an hour. You can ride Ten miles now. I would
0: love to ride twenty miles an hour, but know, unless I'm that's going like downhill, a number I
1: keep repeating, and it's it's like I think I really want to ride that when, pace too. When you first
0: asked me if my pace was like twenty or twenty five miles an hour, I was like, I think it's like
1: twelve, but no way. <laughs> well, depending on the wind, that range. is such a lie. There but, is no way that that's how. That's like you've been cycling forever. I know,
0: I know, but I'm but, but I'm okay. Slow. On, on, a,
1: on a gravel bike. Yeah. Okay. But on a road bike, your pace is probably So yesterday
0: yeah. there was a significant headwind and it was okay. slightly uphill. On the way out, I averaged eight miles an hour. Okay. On the way back, I averaged 25, unless you include when I left my Garmin on in the FedEx truck where we were going 85. <laughs> that brought my average up. <laughs> That's I, forgot to, awesome. I had to cut that part out of the file. But, but going back to these short distance races, yeah. People need to understand you can do short and you can stay short and you can enjoy it and mix it into whatever you do in your life. It doesn't have to become this overbearing, overwhelming way of life where your world revolves around triathlon. Triathlon can fit within your life, yeah. and if you choose to, you can progress. Yeah, but you don't
1: have to. I, I mean, I 100% agree. I think the more people in the sport, the better. I agree. And and so like back to cycling, how are you training for unbound gravel? Like what's the training like for that? Yeah. It's, it's so funny when I
0: did a full Ironman in the fall, it took me 13 hours. And when I did that, I thought this is only 13 hours. If I were doing unbound, I'd be out here for five more. I can do anything for 13. So it's all relative, Yeah, but it's. I train about 12 to 15 hours a week, but again, it's a combination of cycling, running and swimming. And yeah. my longest workouts are on the weekends okay. I'll peak doing about a 120 mile ride. Um, but you know, you never ride anywhere close to the total distance. Right. And then on race day, it's, it's more of a, more than a cycling competition. It's an eating competition. Yeah. Do like, you, do you stop? Yeah. You I try to, not so to, me, you, you to. only have two checkpoints where you can stop and get support. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So ideally you only stop at those two checkpoints. Wow. That's a long time to to bring a lot of
1: food. How much stuff do you bring on your bike? You're packing a lot of weight.
0: Yeah. So I, I eat every 30 minutes just in life. So it actually works out well. Yeah. So
1: you're used to it Yeah, (laughs) and you bring a lot of water. Do they have water like stops? They
0: have, in addition to the two checkpoints, they have one additional water stop because that's just a long time to carry um, your water and it's slower on gravel. I mean, you're averaging the, the pros may average 20 miles an hour. I'll probably average 12.
1: Okay. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. It sounds amazing. Yeah. And then what's after that? After that, I'm doing.
0: Uh, I'll probably do a triathlon or two just for fun. I'm also yeah. going to do the Ludville 100 mountain bike race.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Which is my favorite. My dream is to do the run, but it's a lot easier to do it sitting down. So I'm going to do it on my. You're bike. do it on your
1: bike. You're yeah. going to run on the bike. So like, okay, so that's like on your bucket list, and you're doing it. What else is on your bucket list? So I definitely
0: want to get into longer distance running, trail running. Okay. Um, but I just. I love riding my bike and I want to be able to go adventure and and ride my bike in more interesting places. I love doing, uh, cycling travel trips. That's something that I I personally find joy in because you get to go experience a new country, um, on a bike. And I really want to do another Ironman being here. I would just give anything to jump in. Okay. Maybe not this one. Not today. Not not,
1: not tomorrow or (laughs) whatever day, Saturday. It it really
0: does inspire me and make me want to do another one.
1: I know it's inspiring me and I don't really like doing long distance. I've just have never done an Ironman. So, but I definitely didn't love doing a marathon. So I think I will say
0: the training is not as bad as you would think. That in my experience, doing the full, the training was incrementally more than training for a half.
1: It is. It was more. much more yeah.
0: attainable than I thought it would be.
1: I think I could do it. You know, I think I just. I think the training would be okay. It would just be race day, like being doing any one thing for like more than ten hours. I but would, that, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing about a, a, a triathlon uh, is that you're constantly changing. Like yeah. just when
0: you're like, oh, I can't do this anymore. You get to change and do something else as yeah. opposed to unbound gravel where you just keep doing the same thing yeah. forever. I
1: don't know. There's something about cycling though, that I, I have the patience, the mental patience to be on the bike for like a much longer yeah. period of time. Cause I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. But with triathlon, I've just done, I love the 70.3 distance, but yes. I'm, I'm definitely curious. I'm definitely it definitely will happen. I have this goal on my uh, vision board of doing Kona at 90. Oh, uh, that's probably 90, that when I'll qualify. I'll qualify. Yeah, yeah totally. exactly. well,
0: I won't qualify if you're there. Then I'll, no, I'll be like one not, off the podium.
1: Well, there might be more than one woman in the age group. That's, that is
0: the incredible <laughs> thing about the sport. And you see this in any endurance sport, whether it's yeah. ultra running, cycling, or um, triathlon, women just keep getting stronger.
1: Yeah. It is As amazing.
0: It's true. <laughs> I haven't peaked yet. I'm waiting until I haven't started. So
1: I'm going to start when we get back to New York.
0: (laughs) Right. I'm going to start ramping up to, you know, it's 45 is when that trajectory starts.
1: Totally. I'm going to use my next race as like my initial training for the rest of the summer. Race your way to fitness. (laughs) Well, this has been super awesome, Victoria. Thanks for popping by. It's great to see you. Thanks again for tuning into Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us Email me, Marnie on the Move One at gmail.com, and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more.